All right, here we are. This is episode eight of season number two. Uh, it's a big day today, right? Big day today, as it always is. This is AP and Spence. We're two lawyers talking college sports and sports law in general. Uh, how you doing today, AP? I think it's a good day. It's not too bad. It's Friday afternoon. We've gotten through the fires in Oregon. I think they're still raging a little bit in California, but uh, obviously the people that are affected by the devastation are still dealing with that. But I think the fires, the active smoke in the air is cleared and um, college football's in the air. Um, Your Los Angeles Lakers won the won the NBA championship. They won the NBA championship with an asterisk. I oh, feel oh, like. an asterisk. Okay. Yeah, I think so. You got a Corona asterisk. You know, um, I think baseball's the same. I think baseball's going to end up. Uh, it sounds like it's going to be the Braves beating out the Dodgers. Maybe could be the Braves versus the uh, Tampa Bay Rays right now. I mean, we'll see. The Astros have won the last two games. The Rays were up three zero. And now it's three two, so pressure, big time pressure. Game six. Yeah. Who game, do you got? Who do you got? If it was the Rays and the Braves, who do you got? I have the Braves. I think it's the Braves' year for some weird reason. They're a really good team. Yeah, they're a really good team. I've liked the Braves since the days of Dale Murphy. That's going way back. Way back. Yeah, yeah. The nineties, uh, kind of when I was in high school a little bit, and like late high school, uh, the Braves were really good. So they kind of remind me of a team that I hated. And they were always good, and and uh, but no, anyways, yeah. So it's good, Spence. But there's a lot on tap for today. There that we need is. To talk about. There is. There is. There's a ton on tap, and the NCA has not been uh, at sleep at the wheel, asleep at the wheel during this coronavirus stuff. So, a uh, couple of huge things that just happened this week. The first thing is is, and I want to get your thoughts on it. Is winter sports have been granted an an extra year of eligibility. So it doesn't matter how many games they play, if they play, if March Madness happens, if swimming or, uh, you know, other uh, men's volleyball or other, uh, other sports happen, everybody who plays a winter sport, just like the fall sports is getting an extra year of eligibility. So, I mean, what do you think? First of all, what do you think about that AP? Yeah, I think it makes sense. You know, there's a lot of things getting kind of pushed out with the coronavirus from student loans to CLEs for the bar um, to different things kind of getting pushed and pushed to protect us during this time. And I think this is no different at the collegiate level. Um, it's just so crazy. There's so much going on. You're probably going to have, you know, you're going to miss a game or two. Maybe some games get canceled. Football's already had some of that. I think because of that, they want to just say, hey, you know what? Let's scrap this year. Let's we're going to play it, but we're going to give these people an extra year. They have a real year where they can play a real year with fans. Because imagine if it's your senior year as well, and also you can't play in front of any fans. Well, yeah, but why didn't they do this for the winter sports last year? Because you know all those. I mean, I you know of course I'm BYU fan, and everybody knows that BYU was set to have a great year. We had a super great uh, roster. We were all ready to go, and then March Madness gets canceled. You know, but they didn't grant an extra. In fact, they rejected the the request to ask for an additional year of eligibility. So I guess what's the difference? You know, my feeling is I'm just guessing, but it's probably just that um, coronavirus kind of hit. I feel like it kind of hit around March, and a lot of winter had already been played, not the whole season. But I'm guessing that they just figured you got most of your season. We're going to let you guys have it, but these guys are not going to get it. Like you're gonna, it's you're gonna play, but there's gonna be postponements. There's gonna be some cancellations. There's gonna be 
uh, games with no fans. It's going to be totally different for the whole time for you guys. That's my guess as to why they saw it differently. All right. I don't know if it's totally fair, but that's what I what I foresee. Well, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you know, and you you've talked about this, you've touched on this a number of times, but that that when you're granting an extra year of eligibility, it's great and all, but you still have freshmen coming in, especially on a basketball team when you only have what 12 or 14 scholarships or something like that. Yeah, you know, 15 for women and and uh, 13 for men, but but you know, here's the thing. I yeah, it's hard to plan for this. If you're a freshman coming in, and the team is now going to bring back two extra people with eligibility. And maybe they do have scholarships for them somehow. And now you're like, well, now I'm third on the bench. I mean, this this stinks. I was going to be a starter. Or maybe you don't have the scholarships. Or maybe the person doesn't want to come back. You know, they were like, they were already a bench warmer. And they think, yeah, it's great. I've been, I got another year of eligibility. But I'm a marketing major. I got a job at some marketing firm. Do I really want to be a backup uh, playing one more year? I already got my degree. Nah, I'm good. I'm going to go on. And so it's, it's going to be a rare find where you have somebody that wants to come back and, and is able to get some playing time and they have a scholarship spot for them and it makes sense. But there's going to be some. And it's good that they at least allowed it to happen. The NCAA doesn't have to be the ones cutting them off. Well, kind of in connection with that, the other big shoe that dropped this week was that the NCAA has now there's, – there's going to be a formal vote in January 2021. But more than likely, the NCAA is going to allow a one-time transfer rule. So, so right now, if, if a sophomore at USC wants to leave the USC basketball program and transfer to BYU or transfer to, you know, some really good basketball program, fill in the blank. I'll yeah. put BYU yeah, as so an example. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's uh, fair. Uh, they would have to sit out a year, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So some sports already have the one-time transfers, like one time in your collegiate you know, collegiate career, let's say it's women's soccer or something like that, you can transfer one time uh, and, and be eligible right away. You know, if it's a sport like football or, or basketball or something like that, where they don't have the one-time transfer yet, uh, you have to sit a year. And, and if you just transferred to school, uh, yeah, you're out a year. You're not, you're not eligible for, you're not playing for an entire year. And, and so that's a problem. Then you burn a year, basically. And right? a lot of people will use that as their red shirt. But sometimes when when kids get to programs, they use their freshman year as their redshirt year or gray-shirt year, and so they don't have that extra redshirt. So they just lose a year of eligibility. Yeah, yeah, you're sitting here losing a year, and and uh, sure, you can do it, um, but that doesn't help you a lot. And so and there are waivers that you can ask for, right? And then you can also grad transfer when you don't have to sit out a year if you're a graduate student. You and and your pro and your school can't have that graduate program that you want to go to. There's some rule like that right? yeah it's exactly right you know like and we had some of those at usc and people would do that oregon used one of their a uh, couple of quarterbacks i think that were grad transfers at least one adams or something like right, that yeah um, eastern washington yeah if it's like hey my you know i'm going to transfer from usc to oregon uh i finished my degree at usc i have one year of eligibility remaining on my five-year clock i've only played three years and um usc doesn't have the major in forestry management that i want and in oregon does and so I'm going to, I'm going to transfer and then you can go transfer and be eligible right away. But otherwise you couldn't get that. And football's never had that. And now they're going to vote on it January, 2021. And it will be effective August 1st, 2021. If it goes through, it seems like it's going to go through from everything I'm reading. It seems like the NCA is really pushing for this. And, and it sounds like bigger conferences are pushing for this too. Yeah, I think so. I, you know, here's the, 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 the counter argument to it, right? The, for the coaches, they say, well, one, you're going to have to recruit kids now all the way through because otherwise they're going to just go transfer and be eligible right away. Cause it's a big, 
stick if it's well yeah sure you can transfer being a loser year of eligibility and sit there for a year so go ahead like well i don't want to do that never mind i'm st- i'm stuck here but now you can just say yeah i'm gonna go from florida to usc and use my one-time transfer and be eligible right away see you coach you better uh treat me well and i better not be too far in the depth chart so you're gonna have to be recruiting these kids longer that's kind of a problem for coaches the kids are gonna have to buy into the program a little bit more yeah right like because you're not i mean like at usc for example you're going to have juniors and senior running backs for that are five-star kids that are super studs. Yep. And then you're still re- recruiting these five or five-star kids who are freshmen who are going to be down in the depth chart, mm-hmm. right? So you're going to have to recruit these kids and and recruit them for the program and explain, hey, you know, you're not going to get playing time right away here, probably. I mean, it's a, it's up for competition, but you know, next year you're going to be our guy or whatever. Right. I mean, that that seems like that's that adds an extra layer. It does. It's 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 a problem. So you have to recruit that whole time. They only get to do it once. I mean, so it's not like it's a free for all and they can just keep transferring. But, yeah, it's a kind of a problem for coaches to have to continually recruit. I think the other problem for coaches in some ways is going to be this kind of poaching idea that people are going to be poaching your kids. Well, you can't contact a kid if they're at the school, right? Unless they enter the transfer portal. Right, right. But I think there's going to be a lot of behind the scenes stuff. You have seven on seven coaches that are talked to. That's how it works, right? Like you have a recruit that, that says, or a coach that says, uh, hey, you know, uh, let's say there's a coach at Tennessee and they say, I'm going to talk to a seven on seven coach out in LA. Hey, seven on seven coach. Um, if you happen to talk to Johnny, who's playing at SC, uh, if he wants to transfer, we'd love to have him. You know, we'll have a spot for him. Uh, we've got an extra scholarship. So put a little bug in his ear. Put a bug in his ear, right? And so then that 7-7 seven seven coach just offline has a conversation. Hey, Johnny, how's it going to SC? You're not getting those reps you need. You know, coaches, they're not winning like they should be doing. Tennessee wants you. They're interested. You know, if you're interested, put your name in that portal. They'll contact you, and they'll have a scholarship for you. You can transfer next year. So there's going to be a lot of that going on because it was easier. It was harder to get kids to transfer when you had to sit a year, and you're kind of losing a year, basically. But if you can just play right away one time, in sports like football and men's basketball, where there's money at stake, there's going to be a free-for-all a little bit. And those are the concerns for compliance, uh, you know, impermissible contacts or, or, or recruiting, um, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, you're going to have a kind of a really uh, fluid roster a little bit of like coming and going. But there still has to be a scholarship where the person's going. They can't just go to a, uh, an area and not have a scholarship for them, right? So they have to have a scholarship for them. But you're going to see more transfers. Now, where are people going to transfer? You're going to, it's going to help schools like USC, I think, who are, who are in Los Angeles where there's a lot of recruits. Recruits are going to go to Georgia, Florida, Texas, BYU, Oregon, and they're going to get homesick. And after a year go, I don't like it here. I'm going to transition back to USC and I can go, go right away. Sure. That's been harder to do. I don't think people are going to transition back to smaller markets as, as much. And so I think this is going to help bigger markets and better programs. Hugely. See, here's where I see the problem. I see the problem in basketball. Because I see problems where, where, and this happens all the time, where there's a kid who goes to a, a smaller school like a Fairfield or Radford or somewhere like that, and then they become, you know, they're all conference their freshman year. And then automatically they transfer and then they, they have to sit out a year and they, and they transfer to a, you know, to a Duke or a USC or some big time program. And I, so that's where I see this really hurting people. I don't, I don't think there, there might be some problems. There might be some free for all type thing with football. But to me, the bigger issue I see with this is going to be in basketball. Yeah. It's going to be like the minor leagues of football and men's basketball, exactly. the better player uh, that's the, doing really well. The cream will rise to the, cr- to the top 
as it does in the smaller conferences, which will then cause those team, those players to go to the bigger programs. Because, you know, when there are grad transfers from like the Ivy League, for example, those kids are recruited heavily because they're a proven commodity and they're coming in as these fifth year seniors, super stud athletes and know the college system. And they have one year. I remember Baylor got a kid from Yale a couple of years ago mm-hmm. who was a super stud, all, all conference at, for the Ivy League two years in a row. And then he transfers to Baylor his senior year and takes them into the, you know, I think they went to the Elite Eight or Sweet 16 or something like that that year. So that's going to happen more and more, I think, especially in basketball. Where it might help some coaches, you could say, hey, coach, if you miss on a kid for recruiting purposes, you'll be able to evaluate them for a freshman or sophomore year at some smaller program, they become really elite and that kid can put his name in the transfer portal uh, and then you can go get him. And so if you missed on a kid, you can still get some tape on him, see him and go get him. Now, it, they, again, they can only transfer once. The kid has to put their name in the portal. And what can happen is a lot of schools have policies, you put the name in the portal, they drop your scholarship. That's right. And so you got to be careful of that. And so it's tough. And, you know, I, I just think it's going to foster – this kind of behind the scenes stuff, which is actually already going on, to be honest. The coaches that reach out to these seven seven coaches and these trainers and these these uh, people that are hanging on to these kids and, and compliance officers can't monitor those communications, right? I mean, it's really difficult. I mean, basically a coach just texts some friend that they have back in Cincinnati who knows somebody that's a seven on seven coach that gets the message through the train. You know, that's not showing up on Jump 4 or right. recruiting software. Uh, or you know. they make a call from their home phone or something like yeah, that. Exactly. Home phone, a burner phone from Walmart. Who knows? And so if they want to do that, they can get that message and get the message to the kid. And then the kid can decide, do I want to do that? Okay, they have a spot for me. I'm going to put my name in the transfer portal. And I, I'm playing at Washington State, but I'm the best player in Washington State. I want to go to USC, compete for a national championship or Oregon or, or Ohio State or wherever. And, and do that. And, and I think that's good for the kids. I mean, because the coaches can do that, right? I mean, the coach could just take another job and leave and say, sorry, guys, you know, they're in a, they're in a contract, of course, but they could do that. They could bail out and take another job. The kids, I think it's kind of nice for them to have the opportunity to do the same thing. I can just leave and go somewhere else. Um, one time. You're not going to do that four times. You don't want a head case. You've seen those people that are, went to four different high schools. I, I looked at transcripts like that where a kid went to four different schools or five different schools. It's way too much. But one time in your career, I mean, if you're having a terrible time, if you go to, let's say uh, you're between BYU and Utah and you go to Utah and you're thinking, you know, I, I just hate it here. I'm behind a couple people. I wanted the, I wanted more of the um, Mormon life, you know, and I'm not getting it here at, at Utah. And so uh, I'm, that's, I'm it. I'm out. I'm putting my name in and I'm going to go and I don't have to burn a year. I don't have to sit out an entire sure. year. I'm just going and playing. And, and, and so kids can make that error. And it's hard not to make that error when you're 16, 17, 18 years old. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, so. it'll be interesting to see if it gets approved. And it'll be interesting to see if there's any kind of restrictions on it. Uh, and then how much, how much of, uh, uh, of, of an allowance that they're given as far as, you know, you can put your name in the transfer portal. Uh, you may not lose your scholarship. So it'll be interesting to see if they put any restrictions on it. Yeah, yeah. And again, it, it doesn't get voted on until January 2021. And if it's uh, passed, effective August 1, 2021. All right. So now normally that... That sound means what, AP? It means we're going to the phones. But this time we're not going to the phones. We're going to have a rules ad, which is going to be brought to us by who? By the law firm of Welch, Bruin, and Green. 
We're a law firm in Portland, Oregon that does social security. We do personal injury, workers' compensation, and collegiate sports law. That's right. So what kind of things can we do for collegiate sports law? Yeah, I think we could do most things a compliance office would do. I mean, we can do interpretations. We can do a rules ed document. We can look at your policies and procedures. We can create policies and procedures for you. We could do an audit for you. Uh, we can help with a waiver for a student athlete. Um, somebody that has lost their scholarship, we can help with that as well. There's a lot of things we could do. You just have to give us a call and, and uh, reach out. That's right. So you can give us a call at 503-221-0870. You could email us at collegesportsattorneys at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at skelly at wbgatty.com. Or you can email AP at? Yeah, aprice at wbgatty.com. All right, here we are. This is AP and Spence, two lawyers talking college sports, sports line, just kind of sports line in general. Um, we are, we've got, we've already talked about some pretty major issues, but I, I would say probably one of the biggest uh, pieces of news to drop last week was that Nick Saban came down positive for the Rona. Yeah, yeah. R-O-N-A, Rona got Nick Saban. I mean, go, of all people to get, uh, Nick Saban in college football, probably one of the bigger names in college football, right? I would I'd probably argue one, if not the biggest coach name in college football. Yeah. And so immediately my question was, because because the rule right now is if you get coronavirus, you are quarantined, right? You are you quarantined. You can't be around people. And so immediately my thought was, well, they've got Bama's got a huge game this weekend against Georgia. What does that mean for Nick Saban? Can he coach from home? Could he be at home and calling down to the sidelines and doing that kind of thing? So, of course, I asked my good friend AP, and, and I know you got the answer. Yeah, no way. You know, he cannot, and I'll tell you why. So technology, video, those are problems that are prohibited in coaches' booths and in locker rooms. And so basically, basically like a playing rule, like a football rule. And so, you know, you can't have computers, video, um, you couldn't be doing Zoom calls. You can't use any of that stuff. And part of the reason for that is it's hard for the NCAA to determine what you're doing with it. And, and, and what are you, are you cheating? Do you have multiple coaches? Do you have 700 coaches kind of all doing these different functions and they're all Zoom calling and giving you different angles that you shouldn't get? And it's like, no, 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 we're not being able to do that. If you're in the coach's box, you're in the locker room, you're up in the booth up there. You're, you're just using you. You're not using computers and Zoom. So, so Nick Saban wouldn't be able to sit there. Can you imagine somebody with like, I can just visualize it right now, like a little cart, and there's Nick Saban, his face on a, on a laptop, and somebody's wheeling it around. Some some like, you know, and, and he's getting mad. He's chewing out Sark, and he's like, rah, rah, rah. And, and as he's chewing him out, maybe the, the intern can kind of rattle the, the laptop a little bit to like convey emotion. Right. No, no, no that's not, you know, it won't happen. And so unfortunately, because of that rule, uh, basically, he if he's not healthy and on the sidelines, he he can't be coaching. All right. Well, hold on because <laughs> remix. Okay. <laughs> so oh. turns out that the test was a false positive. It was oh. a negative. False positive. So now he can he has to take tests today, tomorrow, and then one other test. And if the next two tests. You had one negative today. Next two tests come back negative. Guess what? 
he's fine to be on the sidelines now. So we don't even have to really worry about this. But pretty amazing to me that the biggest game of the year, Bama, Georgia, number two versus number three, the head coach, the flagship of the program, gets diagnosed with the coronavirus with a positive, and now all of a sudden it's negative. Anyways, just makes me laugh. Let me go down a little conspiracy road for you real quick, Spence. Okay. Okay. First of all, who, what what test is this? Who's administering this test? I guarantee you it's not some – it's probably an Alabama doctor. It's, it's probably an Alabama doctor. Yeah, it might have been like – booster, that's yeah. what Yeah. Oh, that, that, that positive looks negative, coach. <laughs> Let's get you out there. Well, because it, he has been completely asymptomatic, yeah. right? He doesn't have a fever. Yeah. doesn't have any respiratory issues, according to the stories I've read. And so, you know, it, he's totally fine. So I'm sure, you know, he gets this positive back that says, hey, you've got, you got the Rona. And I'm sure he's thinking, well, gosh, I don't have any symptoms at all. You know, he has yeah. zero symptoms. Yeah, he's like 68 or whatever it is. Right. So he's right in that danger zone of like where the where the coronavirus has really affected that population, that older population. So so I mean, granted, I totally understand being careful and cautious, but at the same time, to now have it be deemed a false positive and to have him that be negative, and then all of a sudden he's he's going to be coaching on the. I guarantee you, he's going to be coaching on the sidelines on Saturday. Oh, he'll be there. He won't have missed a beat. Healthy, red face, screaming, yelling. You can't hold Nick Saban down. The Rona's not going to hold Nick Saban down. Okay, well, so are there any regulations or rules regarding – I understand being at the game, but there's no regulations or rules for the coach to – he can coach from his home, right? He can talk to his assistants and stuff during the, during the week while they're practicing, right? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, so, so yeah, this is just kind of like live in-game, game-time stuff, right? And so at the game, you better be in the box or you're on the sidelines – or you're not coaching, you know, you can't be calling it on a walkie talkie or anything like that. But it's funny. It, it calls into question a couple of questions for me, Spencer. One, are these coronavirus tests accurate? And how many false positives do we have out there? Because there's all kinds of outbreaks all over college football and sports. Are they just false positives? Are they real? We don't know. Is Nick Saban's just immunity that good that when the Rona got in there, he said, I don't think so. And it just pushed it out. And then it was like, no, you know, and did that happen? Uh, was there some fuzzy stuff going on in Alabama with the testing? I don't know. Nobody knows, but it's a strange result. I'll tell you that. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. I, but I guarantee you Nick Saban will be on the side. If not, his brother Vic Saban will be on the sidelines on Saturday. Um, <laughs> Just so, some sick guy with a mask well, on. Well, and and he'll have a mustache yeah, and have his hair yeah. dyed like blonde or something. Oh, yeah. Um, all right. So the because, other – oh, Sorry to interrupt. But the, other, the other thing would be Sark. Sark would be the guy. Steve Sarkeesian would be the one running uh, Alabama football yeah. in the biggest game of the year. Biggest game of the year. It'll be interesting to see what happens. And we're not going to, I'm not going to ask you to pick right now because we'll make our picks at the yeah. end of the, uh, yeah. at the end of the show here. But okay. So the other thing for, for our rules ed today, so we've talked about technology on the sideline. The other thing that happened this last week is UMass. Of course, you know, their nickname, the Boilermakers, the Minutemen, Minutemen, come on, AP, you knew that one. <laughs> so they got dinged this last week for impermissible financial aid in two sports. So the two sports are men's basketball and women's tennis. And basically what happened here, and this is what we know, is, is that there was about $9,100 in excess full cost of attendance um, that was paid over a three-year period to four student athletes. Basically, there were four student athletes that had um, that that were receiving higher housing rates and then moved to less expensive off-campus housing 
but continued to receive the higher housing rate. So therefore they received additional aid and, and, de and therefore they were deemed ineligible and this is a violation. So I guess my question is, I, I have a lot of questions about this. The first question is what's the violation? Right. So what's the violation? Let's let's talk. Start with that. AP. Yeah. So they got too much. They got too much scholarship. It's basically an extra benefit. You know, it's a student athlete that got funding that they were not eligible to get. And so it deemed them ineligible when they received it. And so that's the violation right there. I mean, they got they got something that wasn't permissible. It's it's no different than, you know, saying, hey, you know, your your stipend is going to be nine hundred dollars a month. But whoops, we made a typo and made it nineteen hundred dollars a month you're getting too much money. So however it works out, they got an extra benefit. And it sounds like it was it was a couple of things, probably a lack of understanding of the rule by some administrator and probably a lack of documentation and disorganization a little bit on, on monitoring and kind of figuring out changes to residences, which happens a lot. We can talk about that. Yeah. And that's, that was kind of my, that leads into my second question, which is, you know, I mean, you've been in the, you've, you've met with these student athletes what they did doesn't seem to me to be egregious. I mean, it seems like it was something that, uh, and I guess there were eight other students who received some, that were receiving some fees for dorm phones, and then they moved off campus, kept receiving those dorm phones, and then one student received both the higher rate and the dorm phone rate or whatever. But I guess what, I, what I'm wondering is, is like, this has got to be practically impossible to monitor. So how do, I mean, you've got, what, 500, 600 student athletes who are all, some of them are receiving these scholarships and, and these housing rates, but how do you monitor that? I mean, how would you, how, how do you do that? That seems impossible. Yeah. So, okay. So when we would monitor employment, both at Oregon state and at USC, I remember thinking of an idea um, in conjunction with some other people, but the idea was let's contact human resources, the central human resources to collect on-campus employment data. The same thing can be done with housing, right? So what you do is you work with the housing contact and have somebody be a liaison in your compliance office to housing and say, okay, housing, I want you to update us. Any, here's our list of student athletes with codes. If any of these student athletes with these codes uh, transition to a different apartment on campus or off campus, you need to flag us immediately and we'll get a ping and we know that somebody's moved or something's happened. So you have to get that data information because there's what ends up happening is data is housed in housing, data is housed over in here and there, and it doesn't get to the compliance officer. It doesn't get to in real time. By the time they find out about it, it's been four months. And they're, oh yeah, Chuck on the football team went to this off-campus housing four months ago, but nobody knows. You know, he didn't tell anybody. Nobody, nobody knew. So you need to have that kind of large-scale data sharing going on. That's one one thing. Two, when you meet with student athletes for scholarship, give them their stipend check. We didn't do direct deposit at USC, uh, you know, and so what we do is we'd hold on to their check because it's a good rules ed opportunity. Gotcha. So when somebody comes to meet with you and says, hey, Aaron, I'm ready to get my check. No problem. Uh, Smith, uh, Bill, have a seat real quick. Um, let me check a couple of information. Where are you living at right now? Oh, I'm living at 112 South Street. It's an off-campus apartment. Oh, okay. I had you on campus here. When did you move? Oh, I moved uh, just last week. Okay. I got to update financial aid with that information. We got, we learned something new. We got to update our records and we need a copy of your lease. And so it would allow us to collect data points and monitoring. And so we'd use that opportunity whenever you get in front of the kids uh, for stipend checks. That's a good time once a month to get a little rules ad, find out some information about them. 
do a rules ed in front of the team at least once uh, or once or twice a semester on this as well. And then have some data sharing going on between on-campus housing and somebody in your compliance office when there's movement. And that's what you have to do because otherwise, yeah, somebody uh, is on campus getting some specific meal rate or, or some uh, dorm phone thing or, or whatever, you know, something from financial aid that they're allowed to get. They go off campus. They're sharing a room with four different people. And uh, they're thinking, well, this is a great deal. I'm, I'm not pocketing a bunch of money. But you're not supposed to be getting – you wouldn't be getting that money if they knew that you were in that situation. We need right. to know your real situation. It's not you being cute and creative. And so the monitoring a lot of times is not very sexy. It's thinking up creative ways that you can data share and, and creative ways you can have touch points with the kids once a month or twice a month to find out about them and what's going on. Right, because it's not only just the rules, Ed, that you're going to have to talk to the kids because sometimes – you know, I mean, with today's technology, if you're talking about uh, these rules, which are, you know, important and you have to go over them probably frequently throughout the year. I mean, I remember my brother who was a Division One athlete uh, in swimming. They had one rules at a year that they met with someone from compliance and they would they would sit down with them. And once a year they would go over the rules and they'd say, OK, we got it. But, you know, I mean if you meet with football players once every couple of weeks, they're on their phones, they're not paying attention to the compliance. So it's not just the rules ed, but like you said, it's the follow-up. It's the, it's the asking them questions, holding on to their stipend checks. I mean, that, that, those types of checks and balances are really important. Yeah. Holding on to stipend checks when we need information, you know, Hey, we heard somebody moved. Uh, we got your stipend check bill, uh, but we're going to hold it until you come and give us your lease. And some information. We wanted copies of the leases because we want to see your name on that lease because that tells us you live there and how much rent are you paying. We'd also look at that too, right? Like if it's okay, it shows that you're paying two hundred dollars rent. We need to know that information, you know. So we want to we want those data points as well. The car registration, same idea. You know, I want to see your car registration. Who's it registered? It's registered to Jimmy Sexton, the agent. Oh, that doesn't make sense. Right. We want to see. Oh, it's registered to Bill Smith. Who's Bill Smith? Oh, that's my dad. Oh, it's your dad. Okay, let me put the information in there. Oh, it's oh, it's a friend of the family. Well, we hope it's on a seven-on-seven seven coach, right, runner? Right. And so those are the those are the things. It's not that we don't trust the kids. We just have to do, uh, document everything and, and keep those things. It's, it's not the sexy part of the job, but I, I'm telling you, where where the violations creep up, where the problems happen, they fester in things like this. And they're long-term, small problems that fester for one, two, or three years, and boom, blow up into a big problem. And then all of a sudden, you're at rules ed. Uh, opportunity for all the other schools because you've screwed up on something big. You're on probation. Kids are ineligible. And so you have to stay on top of that. And it's not easy. I mean, people think in compliance, it, it's not always just sexy and it's not always just, you know, it, it, a lot of times it's being proactive. How can we get this data point, that data point? How can we follow up on this monitoring technique? Monitoring is a skill at the compliance office level. And oftentimes it's delegated to the least experienced people in an office. Right. Because um, it's not as sexy, right? You're not in front of the, the coaches saying, hey, coach, and yeah, here's what's going on and joking with them. You're kind of a behind the scenes guy. You're doing documentation. You're, you're saving things in the computer for when you get audited by the NCA or somebody, you can pull it up. And But I'm telling you, that stuff, that's, that's where the rubber meets the road and where schools get in trouble and have problems and they don't, is having a strong monitoring program. All right. Well, that's something that uh, you know. The, oh, the, so the the penalties. This was a level two. This was a level two violation. Two years probation, five thousand dollar fine, which was self imposed, and then a vacation of records of contests in which student athletes participated in while ineligible. So, you know, you're losing. You're losing wins. You're losing. Uh, you're having to pay five thousand dollar fine. Two years probation. Uh, more than more than a slap on the wrist, but not not significant. 
penalties. Yeah, it wasn't like a major or anything like that, but but hefty penalties. Now, if they have this problem again while they're under probation, that's going to be a problem. The takeaway is just know where your student athletes are living, data share with large departments on campus because they control all the data. They can share it with you, right. whether it's employment, whether it's housing, on-campus parking. Because here's the thing too, like let's say, for example, a kid says, I have a car or I don't have a car, right? Well, you run a report with on-campus parking. Right. Right. And then if they say, oh, yeah, no, that guy has a parking pass on yeah. campus. Well, wait a minute. We have that, you know, and so you think, OK, well, I got to follow up on this with this kid. I'm going to hold your stipend check till you come find me and tell me, why do you have a parking pass? If you said you don't have a car. Oh, I do have a car. I forgot to tell you. OK, well, let me get the car registration. Let me see. So there's ways you can kind of check. And so I'm just giving little pointers that schools can do uh, to monitor, even if you only have a staff of three or four or five. Gotcha. All right. We'll keep monitoring, see if any more violations come up. Okay, this is AP and Spence. Another great rules ed segment. Don't you think so, AP? Yeah, I, I think it was good. We got it. We touched on a, a lot of different stuff. You know, I know we got uh, maybe some name image likeness we can still talk about, but we got, we've talked about technology on the sidelines. We've talked about uh, one-time transfer. We've talked about winter sports eligibility, uh, the UMass violation. Um, so there's a lot of things going on. Nick Saban beating Rona. That's right. Nick Saban said, "Bring it on!" And then he he looked Rona in the in the in the eye and beat it. Yeah. Well, let's let's just real quickly touch on this uh, name, image, and likeness stuff. So, um, the uh, the D D one council, which consisted of Bob Bowlesby from the from the uh, uh, Big Twelve, um, Gene Smith from Ohio State, Val Ackerman, and, and a couple other Division one council. Uh, or Division One uh, players in the game, they proposed some some uh, some proposals here for to the legislature for new name, image, and likeness rules. So let's talk about these. Then we'll do our picks. Then we'll then we'll end the episode today. How about that? Sounds great. All right. So here are the proposals. They want to allow student athletes to use their name, image, and likeness to promote to promote, pr promote camps, clinics, and private lessons their own products and services, and commercial products or services. Allow student athletes to be paid for their autographs and personal appearances. Allow student athletes to crowdfund for nonprofits or charitable organizations. Allow student athletes the opportunity to use professional advice and marketing assistance. So that's something that we've talked about. And then prohibit schools from being involved in the development, operation, or promotion of student athletes' business activity unless the activity is part is developed as part of the student's coursework or academic program, prohibit schools from arranging or securing endorsement opportunities for the student athletes. So some of your um, some of your concerns about about these proposals, I think, in the past has been: Are you going to allow kids to hire uh, uh, mar you know marketing agents to help you, and then? you know, how is this, what, what role is the school going to play? So we don't really know a lot about how the school is going to monitor this yet, but what, I mean, I guess what good things do you see in these proposals and what bad things do you see in these proposals? Yeah. They're all tough because like, for example, allow student athletes to be paid for their autographs and personal appearances. Sure. They can do that, but then they can't use their school's mark in any advertising endorsements, personal appearances or promotions. And so I can see kids doing that a lot. They're going to make that mistake and say, um, yeah, I'm a USC football player, you know. And, well, sure. I mean, like, you know, they bring a poster of yeah. your favorite player. You you bring the uh, the Aaron Price poster and you're the starting quarterback at USC. Yeah. 
is that promotion of your school? It seems like it. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of that stuff going on. It's going to be everything's vague, right? It's or going to signing be, helmets. That, that mm -hmm. I mean, that's what are you going to autograph? Yeah, you're just going to you're going to just be oh, there's Bill, a football player. Hey, Bill, sign my T-shirt. You know, and it 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 sounds good in theory, but I think it's just going to be it's going to be tough. You know, they can promote camps and clinics, private lessons, their own products and services, commercial products and services. Uh, you know, there's good, there's good that can come out of this, but again, it's going to be a monitoring nightmare and you're going to have people making exceptions to exceptions and go, well, is this okay? Is this not okay? Cause it says not permitted to use their school's marks in any advertisements, endorsements, personal appearances, their school's marks. But then can you just use the colors? Right. You know, could you just do this? Can you do that? It's going to get so cute. Numbers. And, yeah. You know, and it's going to cause just, there's going to be things seen on social media that are going to get turned over to people. There's going to be violations. People are going to be ineligible. It, it's just really going down a dark path. It's going to be really, really tough. It's got a great intentions. It gets that silly. You got a women's soccer player that's promoting some small clothing company. She can just do that. That's fine. But you're going to have, it's going to cross over to football, men's basketball. People are going to be making money. People are, what about guys that are trying to, you know, uh, you get paid for autographs. So who's going to, it's going to end up being some boosters going to come in and say, Hey, I'll buy all your autographs for hundred grand. Right. Go. Okay, great. Here you go. Oh, that's not the going rate. Well, we got to, it's, it's going to be all of these different problems that we're going to deal with. And I really see this being a big problem. It's going to be good. They're going to figure it out, but it could take two, three, four years and a lot of Q and A's that are going to have to come out. How do you monitor this? How do you handle this? What's okay? What's not okay? What does this word mean? What does that word mean? And it's going to be a mess for a while. Well, it sounds like, I mean, basically you've been saying all along that in the, in the, that if you took a overarching idea of should student athletes be able to benefit from the name, likeness, and image, you've always said the answer should be yes. But the, but the question is, how do you monitor it? And how do you make sure that these boosters and, and other people don't take advantage of this circumstance? in these situations, right? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And, and it's not easy to do. And they get false to compliance. And then it's like, now it's compliance officers that are the bad guys. Where we say, and then they're going to have inconsistencies. You're going to have Syracuse compliance say one thing. Arizona State compliance is going to say something else. And maybe USC compliance is something else. Uh, or, well, that was okay. We thought it was okay because of this. Well, we didn't think it was okay because, and it's just, it's going to be tough. You know, I, I think that they, they're, they started off too big. Why not just allow them to do some stuff? Say, hey, you can promote camps and clinics, private lessons, and your own products and services. That's it. And so if you create your own business and it's registered, whatever, with the city or the county or however you register a business, and it's your own business, you can use your name, image, and likeness. You know, start small. They went huge to where it's almost like these are pro athletes. And now, hey, compliance office, good luck to you monitoring all these contracts, looking at all this stuff, looking at Twitter and figuring it all out. And the difference is somebody might lose their eligibility or not. They may be ineligible if they overstep the bounds. Or if they don't, it's totally fine. And it's up to you, the compliance office, to worry about all the football players, all the basketball players, baseball players. Uh, you know, it, I honestly, I think it's going to lead to compliance offices needing to add one or two more people to, to beef up their compliance, beef up their monitoring, beef up their rules ed. Um, and it's going to be just tough. All right. Well, we'll continue to monitor this. This is still in the beginning stages. They're working with Congress. That's a good thing. Everyone's working together. They're going to find out what's going on here. All right. Now let's get to our picks. Okay. So last week you, you had a little bit of a slip. You went three and one, three and one. What's my overall record? Spence? Overall, you're 23 and two or no, I'm sorry, 22 and two. Yeah, 22 and two out of 24 picks. That's not bad. Not That's bad. not bad. That's pretty legit. Yeah. So, okay. So we've got some tough games this weekend. 
All right, so we're going to start with tonight's game, the the Battle of the Cougars, BYU versus Houston. This is at Houston, and BYU is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I feel like – so BYU had a wrinkle last week, right? They won the game. They're 4-0, no knock, but they didn't win as convincingly as I think people thought they should have. Yeah, they were 35-point favorites. They ended up winning by seven. Now, were they looking ahead to Houston? Maybe. Or maybe BYU wasn't as good as we thought. Or maybe it was just a fluke. Maybe the other team just played their A game, BYU played their C. This is going to define BYU for the season, I think, right now. If BYU comes out and wins the game, they're legit. You just have to say they're legit. They're 5-0, and and they just beat Houston at Houston. They're legit. It doesn't matter how much they win by, by one point. 5-0 BYU belongs like in a top 10, top 12 team. If they lose this game, then you have to say, well, okay, they played tough last week. They lost to Houston, which is probably their best team so far. How good is BYU? Are they going to go 9-3? Are they going to go 8-4? They're going to be a decent team, but maybe they're not an elite team like we thought. This game is going to define them. I pick BYU to win it. It's going to be a dogfight, Spence. This is going to be a good game. I think it could come down to 3.7 points. All right. I would take that for sure. I I would take a win. All right. Uh, Next game that we're going to talk about is Auburn at South Carolina. Auburn is a three-point favorite. Auburn. Auburn's a really good team. They're going to bounce back and, and win this game. They're going to beat South Carolina. All right, staying in the SEC. The next two games we're going to pick are going to be SEC games. So are you okay staying in the SEC? I love it. Okay. Next game is – Rona, Rona doesn't live there, Spence. <laughs> That's right. Texas A&M at Mississippi State. Now, Mississippi State came out and they ended up you know beating LSU and then they lost, right? So they're playing Texas A&M at Mississippi State. Texas A&M is a five-point favorite. Who do you got in that game? Texas A&M. I think it was a surprise that Mississippi State came out like that. They're a good team, but they're not a great team. They're not there yet. They have some good coaching. They're going to be tricky and a dangerous team in the SEC, but I don't think they're going to win. I think they're still going to struggle in the SEC. They're going to lose to Texas A&M. All right, and then the big one is the Georgia Bulldog versus the Alabama Crimson Tide. The return of, of a healthy Nick Saban, coronavirus-free who do you got in that game? Oh, let me tell you, uh, Bama is a five-point favorite, and this is at Bama. Bama's going to win. Coronavirus can't beat Bama. They can't beat Nick Saban. Nick Saban took a cocktail mix of antibodies uh, called football knowledge. That's what he took. And it, and it busted out that, that, uh, that Rona. He ain't got no Rona. And, and he's there ready to go. He's going to coach him up. And I think they win pretty big, actually. I would say like by 10 or 13. I still think Alabama's going to be in the playoffs. They're going to be there. They just have the best players. They're a really good team. And and, and Nick Tim's a good coach, but he's got all the best players. It kind of reminds me of a Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson's a good coach, but he always has the best talent, too. I would like to see Nick Saban coach the Beavers. And I bet you the Beavers go seven and five, eight and four, pretty good. He's not going twelve and zero, but he's a good coach. And but they have all the best players. And Rona doesn't stick. It doesn't even grow in Alabama. I think Dr. Fauci said that. That's true. I heard him say that. Yeah, yeah. twice online. Yeah. And right. so uh, yeah, so they're, Bama's going to win. Okay. All right. We'll see how your picks go. Hopefully, you go four and zero and again this week. If you do, that's twenty six and two. That'd be that'd be pretty incredible. That's a Jones day. Can you commit to that if you uh, go twenty six and two? If you win all four, we'll get some Jonesies on uh, Jones Soda. Not a sponsor, uh, but uh, oh, one click player. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, last week, I was wearing a Jones, my dude Jones Soda sweatshirt, and I do have to send a quick shout out to my brother. Uh, my brother, uh, Mitchell, who helped me with get those so- soda caps, right? So he helped buy some of those sodas that we drank as a family in order to get the 50 caps. So thank you, Mitchell. 
All right. Thank you, Mitchell. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So go, go Cougs. Have a, let's beat the Houston Cougars tonight, right? Let's do it. Let's do it. BYU.